But as I said, we have uh, a lot to celebrate this morning, and we're continuing our Advent series looking at God's dreams for River Park Church, and so this morning, the dream of joy. And so I want to invite you to follow along. Uh, you can either uh, follow along with the words on the screen behind me, <clears throat> or just listen, or to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 35. We're going to read the first 10 verses together, or I'll read them and you can listen. This is Isaiah's picture of the coming kingdom of God. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the, the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the deaf, the deaf ears unstopped. Then the lame will leap like the deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once laid, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will, be, they will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. So far, the reading of God's word. As we read Isaiah 35, one of the things that struck me is that many of the pictures and images that Isaiah uses are foreign to us. It doesn't mean much to us that a parched and arid land would turn into a place where papyrus plants grow. That picture is pretty removed, I think, from most of our experiences. And so as we start, I want to wonder with you a moment, invite you to wonder, what would, it, what would you do to experience the joy that Isaiah talks about? What would it take for you to be overcome with gladness and joy, to have sorrow and sighing flee away? What would you do to experience that? Think about it for a moment. I read a, something from psychologists that said, uh, when, when we're happy, we smile, right? We all know that. But did you know that just smiling can make you happy? Just try it for a second. Just try and, behind your masks, just form the biggest smile you can. It's hard not to uh, just get a little bit happy, right, when you're, uh, when you're smiling. There's any number of ways, any number of small ways, just including the, the muscles in our own bodies, that we can begin to experience and taste joy and happiness. Part of what it means to be human is to pursue happiness, to pursue joy. 
But all of us know from different experiences in our lives that not all the times we pursue joy, or from all the times we pursue joy, we don't always find it. Sometimes our pursuits for joy end in failure or emptiness. Or as we're pursuing something meaningful and joyful, we're faced with a complication or a challenge beyond our control. If we want joy that lasts, where do we go? Where do we look? What about the joy of experiencing a meal at Christmas, gathered together with the people you love? There's a sort of multi-sensory joy, isn't there, of having our stomachs full and our hearts full. But even that, we know, doesn't last. That our families and our loved ones aren't perfect either. Of course, none of us is eager to share the dysfunction or the brokenness in our own family. But we all are aware that it's there. It exists in ourselves and in others. And so as we focus on joy this morning, I want to suggest to you that the greatest mo- or the moments of greatest joy in our lives are the moments when God's kingdom breaks into our fallen world. When God's kingdom breaks in, first we are, our first reaction is usually to be troubled, like Mary was. Although we call ourselves followers of Jesus, many of us are still not used to living in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't assume or expect that God will provide for us, even though we should. We don't expect God to show himself to us as often as we should. In our humanity, in our humanness, we rebel against intimacy with God and intimacy with others. We're troubled like Mary was in Daniel and Sean's reading. The angel coming to Mary is an upsetting moment in her life. I'm not saying that it made her angry. I'm saying that it overturned everything about who she was and everything about her life. Mary was a virgin, but now she was pregnant. Mary was engaged, but now in her culture, that was up for grabs. That was up for question. Mary was a simple person, but now her life was transformed by everything, everything about who she was and who she would become was different because God showed himself to her. This is what Isaiah means when a few chapters later in Isaiah 55, he says this. He says, as the rain and snow comes down from heaven, again, Isaiah is using these uh, geographical and uh, farming images that we're not, all of us, familiar with. But he says, As the rain and snow come down from heaven and don't return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so so the Lord says, "So so is my word that goes out of my mouth. My word will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire. It will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. When God's kingdom breaks in, we are transformed. Like Mary, we need the upsetting presence of God, the the power of God, the breaking in of God's kingdom and spirit and power to transform us and our lives. As we share our hopes and dreams, I know many of us hope 
that our church will grow and that we'll be united together as one family. That can't happen if you and I remain unchanged. God will transform our community as he transforms each one of us. As he works in each of our hearts and lives. Besides, think of all the joy that you will miss out on if you are not transformed. Think of all that joy that you will be left behind for you when you're not swept up with the mission of God and his kingdom. Where's all this kingdom language coming from? Well, Isaiah 35 is full of kingdom language if we have the ears to hear. Seeing the glory of the Lord and his splendor in verse 2, that's language that's used about a king. God coming with vengeance and divine retribution is military language. And Zion in verse 10, the Old, city, the Old Testament city of God, the place where God's people are crowned with joy. It's all language of the kingdom of God. Isaiah uses the language of God's coming kingdom, the language of joy, and the language of holiness. And he ties them all up, wraps them all up together. Why would we want to be unchanged and miss out on all that? After all, even those of us in the best situations here on earth, here in Calgary, those of us in the best situations have nothing to compare to God's holiness. Even those of us who are happiest this Advent season, we can't compare to the joy of God's kingdom. Isaiah pictures for us that the coming kingdom of God will bring joy that leads to holiness and that we will be set apart for life forever with God and with God's people. But we won't find the joy of the kingdom of God unless we're hungry for it, and until we're hungry for it. We won't find the joy of the kingdom of God unless we stop trying to make ourselves happy in our own power, in our own strength, in our own ways. Isaiah is writing to a nation whose power and strength had run out. In the very next chapter, Isaiah 36, which we're not going to read this morning, Israel is invaded by their enemies. They're overrun. Israel knew, and as Isaiah was writing to them, and as he spoke these words from God to the people, they knew that they had no hope except to hope in God. They knew that they had no joy except the joy of the Lord. And while we may not have enemies knocking on our doors, we are in the same situation. Our hope as Christians, our only hope is in the Lord. The joy that we will have if we're looking for lasting joy is only joy that we'll find in the Lord. Like Israel, like Mary, we need to learn that the moments of greatest joy in our lives are the moments of God's kingdom breaking into our broken world. So what is God's dream of joy for River Park Church? Why should we be joyful? Let me again string together a couple of these verses from Isaiah. He says, They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God, that your God will come and he will save you, that those the Lord has rescued will return, gladness and joy overtake them, 
sorrow and sighing will flee away. One of the things that we begin to see when we become more and more a Mosaic community is just how wonderful and great and powerful and glorious our God is. Why? Because we begin to see God, not just from my perspective or your individual perspective, but we get to see him from the perspective of others as well. Let me give you just one small example. Almost a year ago, Pastor Harrison and I sat down in the New Life Church offices, or in the River Park Church offices for the first time. Can you believe it's almost been a year? I still remember that first conversation. I sat down and I said to my partner in ministry, wow, we have a lot of work to do. And Harrison looked at me and he said, let's get to know each other better. One of us, and I won't tell you who, one of us comes from a culture that's a lot more task-oriented. One of us comes from a culture that's a lot more relationship-oriented. We have different priorities when it comes to how we should set about beginning. Beginning in relationships, beginning in work, beginning to grow together as a family of God. A Mosaic community gets to celebrate both ways of being. After all, if we are going to see ourselves more fully, then we need to see that God has a deep desire for a relationship with his people. We also need to see that God has a purpose for us and a job for us to do. We don't need to pick one way or the other. In fact, when we do that, we miss out. But when we understand and see God and his purposes for us more widely and fully, then we get to see further and deeper and differently into who God is and also into his kingdom. <clears throat> this is just part of the joy of a Mosaic community. Now we've been talking a lot this past, in this fall and, and even in this Advent series about the, the building community part of our mission. But God's dream of joy for River Park Church, as our vision states it, is not just that we would be building a community and a Mosaic community, but also that we would be reaching out and drawing in. That the kind of community we're making is one where people from different cultures, different genders and abilities, from different social classes and age groups, that each of us brings a different perspective. That each of us helps to see God and see the story of God more clearly. And we've focused so much, and we're going to continue for a while, focusing on the community piece because as we begin to grow in a deeper love and deeper joy for what God is doing in our community, then we become eager to reach out and to draw others in. Because each of us has our own strengths and weaknesses. But as we gather together as diverse people of different ages, different generations, different genders and abilities, different social classes and different ethnic groups, as we gather together a diverse mosaic community, we cover over one another's weaknesses and we strengthen each other. The more we seek God, seek first God and his kingdom in all of its diversity, the more joy we have in our lives. Scripture tells us that 
It's that simple. Seek first, his, seek first God and his kingdom and all these other things will be given to you as well. Joy doesn't come from having all the right answers. Joy doesn't come from getting smarter. Joy doesn't even come from hearing a really, really, really good sermon. Imagine how disappointing that is for me. Joy comes from walking the way of holiness with Christ and with the people of God. And remember that holiness is not first about morality, about being good in the Old Testament, although it is that. Holiness is first about being set apart. What Isaiah wants us to see as he gives us all these agrarian and agricultural pictures of dry things bubbling up with water and new life springing into the desert. Isaiah wants us to see that it's joy that sets God's people apart. When John, who was still in Elizabeth's womb, when he heard the news of Jesus' birth, even then he leapt for joy. John, this, as an unborn child, still already as an unborn child, demonstrates the right response to Jesus. This painting by James Yonknecht, it's entitled The Visitation, captures it so well. Mary and Elizabeth are there and, and John in, in Elizabeth's womb is leaping for joy. When was the last time that you were overcome with joy and thankfulness simply for who God is, not for what he's done for you? When was the last time you simply took time to sit in God's presence and to praise him for who he is and where he has placed you? Isaiah says that it's our joy in the Lord and in his kingdom that makes us holy, that sets us apart. And he pictures the coming kingdom of God as filled with so much joy that creation can't contain itself. When Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God thousands of years later, or a thousand years later, he also pictured it as a joyful thing. In the gospel, Jesus tells parable after parable of the kingdom of God. Every single one involves some kind of celebration or joy or, or party. We miss that often, especially as Western people. We miss that because we're always trying to figure out some deeper truth or some way of being smarter and understanding what's going on in the text. But Jesus wants, wanted his listeners to know the kingdom of God is a kingdom of joy. Consider even Jesus' summary of the law in Matthew 22. Many of you probably know these words and some of us have memorized them by heart. Jesus says, when he's asked about what is the law, he says, this is the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two things in our world that bring us the most joy. Loving God and loving our neighbor is not a, something to add to a to-do list that we ought to get around to because we're such bad people and we don't do it, but even though we should. Loving God opens up for us a depth of richness and relationship with God. Loving others opens up for us a depth and a richness of relationship with others who are made as we are in God's image. 
And so every time we look at our neighbors and we think to ourselves, I just wish they would join us. Or we look at people from a different ethnic group or a different age group and we say, I wish they would come across the aisle and enjoy what I enjoy. Do things my way. Maybe we should give ourselves the opportunity to turn things around. We can perhaps ask, how might I join them in what they are doing? How might I see what it means to be the body of Christ through the eyes of someone younger, through the eyes of someone in a diff- from a different gender, through the eyes of someone from a different culture? How might I gain a deeper appreciation and a deeper joy of who God is by experiencing for a few moments life with someone from a different group? Think of what we miss out on and what, when we don't and what we gain when we do, when we partner with others to see the diversity of who God is and who, what the community is that God is building now already at River Park Church, a community and a kingdom as Daniel read for us, the kingdom of God that will continue into eternity. The way of holiness is not just an idea. Holiness, as I said, is about being set apart for a special purpose, being completely dedicated to God. Isaiah is picturing for us very simply that joy transforms the way that Christians walk. Our joy sets us apart from the world. How does God transform us? How does God set us apart? He gives us two things. He gives us himself and he gives us one another. Every time in history... And even in more recent history, when a church has split, in essence, the church is saying, we can't be together with these people who are different from us. But God has specifically given each of us to one another. He has given all of us to each other to help us to grow in joy, to help us appreciate more deeply the diverse image of God in one another. And to see more clearly God's self-revelation through each other's eyes. In other words, we're set apart for God and we're set apart with one another. This is the way of holiness. Set apart for God and set apart with each other. And we walk that way every day as God's people. But we can only walk it well in the joy of the Lord. When our hearts are captivated by Jesus, that's that first part of the summary of the law, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. When our hearts are captivated by Jesus, the joy of the Lord works in us new desires, new ways. We don't just care for ourselves anymore. We want to spend time with God. We want to connect with others. We don't just watch out for our own well-being or our, our own priorities. We become, we become passionate about the well-being of others. We become passionate for justice in our midst and for flourishing in our midst, for peace that we're going to talk about last week, but also for justice and peace in our broader society. 
And when we're filled and our hearts overflow with love for others, that second part of the summary of the law, love your neighbor as yourself. When our hearts overflow with love for others, we're filled with joy for them and their successes. We desire to see one another flourish and we eagerly give up whatever we have to see others experience the joy of the Lord along with us. In this way, we begin to embody ourselves as a community and as individuals, the kind of things that Jesus talked about in his parables about God's kingdom. Just listen for a moment. When a, Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 squeezes two parables into two verses. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man finds it, he hides it again. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had so he could buy it. When we're captivated by the joy of the Lord, we will do anything. We will go anywhere. We will give up everything we have so that we and those we love can experience a fuller and a better and a more joyful life in God's kingdom along with us, already now. What is that fuller and better life of God's kingdom already now? Well, I've already said, the moments of greatest joy in our lives come when God's kingdom breaks into our world. Those moments of joy that God has for us are not intended to be once a week or once a month or once or twice a year kinds of things. The joy of God and the joy of life together in God's kingdom is a joy that God has designed to fill us with every day. And when his joy fills us, not only creation, but we ourselves are transformed. The dry places within, within us are filled up with the water of the Spirit. God's life grows in the barren places in our hearts. We leap and dance for joy. It's hard for Dutch people. We can manage it. Those of us who are Dutch. We leap and dance for joy at God's kingdom life filled with God's love. A love that's redirected back to God and overflowing to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to our neighbors and to our world. Let's pray together. Father God, we desperately need the upsetting presence of your spirit, the upsetting entrance of your kingdom, of your joy in our lives. God, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit again and fill us with your joy so that even as things change in our lives, in our community, in the world around us, that we become eager to give up our preferences, our possessions, our time, our energy for the sake of others. God, build in us a deeper love for you and for one another so that we may experience the joy of your kingdom here at River Park Church and that with that joy, we might reach out and reach out to a world that is in desperate need of the good news, that we might draw them into 
not just to this community, but most importantly, Lord, to your kingdom. And that we might be a part of a Mosaic community that you are building here. That more and more looks like the kingdom that is to come. Your family gathered together from all times and places. God, we look forward to that day and we thank you that you are with us even now as we desire to live into the dreams that you have for us. Hear our prayer, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.